Hey, so we've been in this great series called The Truth About Following Jesus, uh, which has just been awesome. And I think that as we follow Jesus, one of the things that we have to understand is how he looks at us. The truth about how he looks at us. Because for me, I mean, I was born, or when I was born, I, I was born into a Christian home. And I remember receiving Christ when I was like six or seven years old. And so I grew up in church and I had this incredible family. And so you would think that I would go through my life really understanding that. But that has been something that I have struggled with. I've struggled with understanding God's love for me. It's been a struggle for me to understand how much he values me. And I think it's because the devil knows that he can mess with my mind and make me think that there, I've done things in my life that has disqualified me for God's full love. I mean, there's times in my life where I think, you know what, I, I know God loves me because I've heard that over and over again. And as a kid, you know, we sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we've sang that over and over again. But for me, I've always kind of thought, yeah, yeah, he loves me, but he probably would love me more if. He would probably accept me more if I would do these things or if I didn't do these things. And so I've really struggled and still today struggle with really understanding how much God loves me. And so this morning, I hope that we can kind of expose that truth to our hearts and then also expose the devil's plan on how he tries to steal that from us. But as we go through our life following Jesus, we need to understand, first of all, is that he sees us as lovable. We are lovable to him. I was reading in Genesis this week uh, in my time with God, and, and I don't know how many times I've read Genesis in my life, but a lot. And as I was reading through chapter one, I was reading about God's creation. And one of the things that just came to mind this time when I read the scripture was that God didn't have to create the world. God didn't have to create the universe. God didn't have to create us, but he did. And he created the world for us. Because he loves us. For most of us, we've, we've done some maybe some marriage seminars or read some marriage books. And you've probably heard about the five love languages. Well, we, in, in understanding the five love languages, we understand that a person will give and receive love one of five ways. And that's either through service or time or affection or uh, words of affirmation or through gifts. And so for Rebecca, you know, I, I know that one of her love languages is gifts. She, she loves it when I give her gifts. And it's not so much about how much I spend on the gift, but how much time I spent thinking about that gift. How much planning I went into purchasing or, 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 or thinking about how to give that gift. That's what really, really makes her feel loved. Uh, for her birthday one year, what I did is I, I went out and I don't know, I got this idea from, from somewhere, so I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come off like I'm this perfect, lovable husband, because I'm not. But on this particular birthday, uh, I, I went out and I went to every one of her favorite restaurants and got the favorite thing for her for her dinner that night from each one of those restaurants. So like I went to Chili's, and what's the best thing at Chili's? Chips and salsa, right? It's the best! So I got her chips and salsa there. And then at the time, Pancheros was open, and she loved the guacamole from Pancheros. So I got the guacamole from Pancheros. And then she went to out. She loves one thing at Outback. What's really, really good at Outback? Oh, yeah, the rolls are, yeah, the bread's really good. But the, she loves the coconut shrimp. 
Loves the coconut shrimp at Outback. So I got her that, and then she also loves the cheesecake at Outback. So I went to those different places, came home, surprised her with this meal of all of her favorite things. And it wasn't the fact that, you know, I bought those things for her. It was the fact that I thought about each one of those things. That's what made her feel loved. And so when God created the earth, think about the amount of creativity he used the amount of time that he used. Now, you might say, well, gosh, yeah, but he just, he created it in a day. It wasn't like this big deal, right? But, but the truth is, is a, a day is to a thousand years to the Lord. So the amount of time, the amount of effort, the amount of creativity he made, he had to make the world for us. That's, that's incredible to me. Scripture says in Genesis 1:26, then God said, let us make people in our own image which is kind of cool. I mean, he could have made us in any image, but he made us in his to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all of life. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals and small animals. And then it goes on in verse 28 to talk about that, that he gave this to us. Now, if you've ever been in a tropical location and you've got to go snorkeling, you put, that, you put that mask on, you stick your head under the water, and you look at the fish that you can just see on a, on a simple snorkeling trip, it is amazing the colors, the shapes, the sizes. And he made that for you so you could experience that. That's how much he loves you. For, for us on staff here, we, a lot of us are really into hunting. We like to hunt, and, you know, uh, we bow hunt. And a couple years ago, I went out, and I uh, was able to, to, to get a bull on the first morning that we went out. And, like, you know, if you're a bow hunter, you've got to understand everything's got to line up. Everything's got to line up. And so this bull comes out. We called him in, and uh, he was like 50. He was 52 yards away. I remember that because I just... I had just uh, ranged this rock where he came out. And so I shot him, and I just hit him perfect, man. I, I, I double-lunged and hearted him, so he went like 20 yards. And I remember going over to that animal and, like, getting emotional because I, I started to think, wow, God created this moment for me. God created that animal that, that I could harvest and have meat in my freezer for, for, for a year. And I got very emotional to think that he made that entire experience for me. And, and bow hunting is extremely hard work. And so when you finally get something, it is a, like, is a big deal. And if I ever kill something with a bow, it is by the grace of God that that happens. So I knew, I knew that it was a gift. And yet God, God gave me that moment. He gave that moment to me. He gave creation to us because he loves us. God is love, and love is best expressed towards someone or something. He gave us the world. He not only sees us as lovable, but he sees us as valuable. Now, I don't know if we will ever understand how valuable we are to Christ. In fact, he esteems us more than himself. He values us more than he does himself. Have you ever thought of it like that before? Have you ever thought about the fact that, that God values us more than he does himself? Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better as yourself. And you might think, well, yeah, but that's Paul, and he's talking to the Philippians, and, and so God's just telling us what to do. But, but God would never ask us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Besides that, the ultimate proof of this 
is who hung on the cross. It wasn't us. God didn't just choose some random person to go through as the ultimate sacrifice. God chose his son. He chose his own son. He put himself in that spot that we might be saved, that we might have eternal life, that we might have, be, be forgiven of our sins. That amount of value is incredible. He esteems us more than himself. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You have been healed by his wounds. Now, I know I can say that, and still it just doesn't quite sink in. So I want to give you a couple of illustrations that might help us really understand God's value on us. And when determining value, uh, we have to usually look at a couple of things that add value to something. The first is, is that something has value because of who owns it. Something has value because of who owns it. Whose tennis shoes would be worth more? Mine or Michael Jordan's or Steph Curry's? Of course, a Michael Jordan or Steph Curry-owned shoe would be worth more than mine. Would my Jeep be worth more if uh, uh, maybe Taylor Swift or Brad Pitt owned it? Would it be worth less if O.J. Simpson owned it? (laughs) So the Bible says in John 4.4 that we belong to God. We belong to him. We belong to the, the creator of the universe. So how valuable are we? Our value is usually set on things also and is dependent on whatever someone is willing to pay for it. What are you willing to pay for it? Several years ago, I got really into collecting sports memorabilia and autograph stuff. And and what I noticed is, man, when you buy something and then you try to resell it, it very much is determined on how much you get for it on what the person is willing to pay for it. For instance, so I have these two mini football helmets here. One is signed by John Elway. One is signed by Terrell Davis. You might ask, well, which one's worth more? Whoever you like more is probably worth more to you. So maybe John Elway would be more. But you might go, well, wait a second. But, but the Terrell Davis, that, that was signed on the old school helmet. And that, that was signed his rookie year. So that would probably be worth more to me. I mean, you could go to an auction where this could sell for $500. Who knows? Or you could go to an auction and it might sell for $20, which is less than what the helmet's worth in the first place. It's all dependent on how much you're willing to pay for it. What and how much did God pay for us? (laughs) He paid his son for us. How valuable then are we to him? That's just incredible to me. Jesus paid his life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7.23, you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. Isaiah 43.4 says, God says, you are precious to me. That word precious, I mean, you have precious stones, like precious gems, diamonds, those kind of things. They're precious. They're very valuable. And we are even more precious to God than those things are to us. We're also acceptable. Oh, I have always struggled with this one. So many of us feel that we don't really need to turn to God until we clean ourselves up first. You ever played that game? 
We buy into the lie that I would serve God, but I feel like a hypocrite because I'm not really living right right now. And that's just the devil's tool or his way to keep us from God's will. To understand how much God accepts us and loves us, I think the best personal example we can give is how much we love and accept our kids when they're first born. I mean, until you're a parent, you don't really grasp that. And once you become a parent, when you hold that baby in your arms the first time, there's something about that. You cannot believe that you love and accept something so much that you've never met before. But in that instance, there's this love and acceptance. This is a picture of uh, right after Madeline was born. Madeline's my youngest, and she's uh, just graduated from, uh, from high school. And so uh, in that moment, I mean, I remember she was just born. We went to the park just to get some fresh air. I laid down, you know, next to her. And you can tell just in my eyes how much I love and accept her. And I just met her. Now imagine how God feels about us. And I think sometimes we go, yeah, but man, there's just there's so many people and ever that's lived in the world and lived throughout history. I mean, God can't love me as much as I've loved my own child. But the truth is, is that God is so big. God is so big that he loves you individually more than you love your own child. He doesn't look at you as just this, you know, vast group of people that have just lived for thousands of years. He looks at you and has this special connection with you. And his connection started with you in your mother's womb. You were, he, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He loved you before you were born. He accepted you before you were born. Titus 3.5 says God saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and grace by washing away our sins, all because of what Jesus Christ, our, our Savior, did so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. When God chose Paul, when he accepted Paul, was Paul perfect? No, Paul was a mess. Paul was helping crucify Christians when God chose him. God didn't look at his past. God looked at his potential. He looked at what he could be, not what he had been. And that's the way he looks at you. And I know the devil will just bring stuff up in our mind and make us think about failures we've had in our past and make us feel like we're not really worthy of God's love. But the truth is, is that is a launched attack from the enemy. That is a stronghold, a lie that we've believed in our life that is not true. He accepts us. We are so valuable to him. He loves us. And, and for all of those things, he's also forgiven us. Oh, and he's forgiven us. Do you ever play this mind game? When you mess up or you sin, you think, oh, God, isn't, he's not going to bless something that I have coming up because I've messed up. You know, I, I, got, I was going to buy this house, but you know what? I'll, it'll probably fall through now because I screwed up last weekend. Or we think, you know, if I, if I could just live better, he would love me more. Or if, if, if I could just stop sinning in this one area, maybe I would be more forgivable. You ever play those games? Yet God has forgiven everything that we've done, 
and everything we're gonna do. Do you think that he thinks that you're never gonna mess up again after you messed up this one time? Lord, forgive me. I know I've messed up a thousand times. I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm so sorry. He doesn't believe you that you're not gonna do it anymore. He knows better, but he loves you. He loves you. He doesn't, he doesn't care about all of that. When your kids come up to you, when they've messed up, and they say they're sorry and they're crying, do you say, get away from me, you little sinner? No. You forgive them. You embrace them. You make it right. And that's the way God is with us. He's not this God that just wants to punish us for the mistakes that we've made. He's decided that we're forgivable. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. That's hard for us to get because we're really good at holding each other's sins against each other, right? And God says, I'm not that way. I love you so much and I've forgiven you so much that when you mess up, just say you're sorry. I won't hold it against you. That's grace and that is so beautiful. So he sees us as forgivable and we need that grace so badly, but he also sees us as capable. He sees us as capable. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 says, the capacity we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant. The number one, according to surveys, the number one epidemic facing women in our culture today is is, is low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. It's an epidemic. Because the devil has told you you're not good enough, You're not worth anything. You'll never amount to anything. And those strongholds, those lies have built up in our mind to where we begin to believe them. So we think we're not really capable of much. We've believed our whole life what other people have told us about ourselves. Instead of looking at what God is and how he made us and how much he loves us. And the truth is, is that he has come that we might have life to an abundance and that we might be victorious, that we might be blessed, that we might be more than conquerors. And I didn't make up any of that stuff. It comes straight from scripture. Famous verse is Philippians 4.13, and I love it in the Amplified Version. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He wants to do really cool stuff through you. But if you believe the stronghold, you believe the lie that you're not really worth anything and you're not really capable of anything, then his battle is so much easier. But if your strength is in Christ and your capability is in him and he made you and he made you with a purpose, that changes the game. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God wants to use you. God knows your potential. He looked at Paul and he saw his potential. And from Paul's failures, he could have just been like, oh, I can never serve God. Look what I've done. 
Man, when they were stoning Stephen, I was holding everybody's coats. I watched it happen. He could have decided at that point, I am not worthy or what I have done has not qualified me for ministry. Yet he took that low point in his life and he turned it around and he's responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament. You are capable. God wants to do stuff through you. He wants to do miracles through you. Guys, we're living in the end times. We are at the end times and God wants to put out, pour out miracles and he wants to see his kids get saved and he wants to do stuff like we've never seen before. But what, what you have to do to be a part of that is you have to believe I'm capable. God, use me. Show me what it is you want me to do to be a part of this God movement in these last days. So what we're gonna do to end this service is we're just gonna, we're gonna stand up together. We're gonna break some of these strongholds off of us and allow God to do that. We want, even though the devil's been telling us lies for years, what we wanna do is expose those lies and then expose our mind to the truth. So the first thing I wanna do, first of all, just let me pray for a second. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just be in this room in a thick way. Holy Spirit, right now, we just invite you in. So wherever you're standing, I want you just to say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in right now. Say it out loud. I invite you in to change me. I invite you in to heal me. I invite you in to see the truth of how you see me. I want you to repeat after me. So in Jesus' name, remove the veil of deception from my eyes of how I see myself. And loosen me the truth of how you see me. Ask him right now to show you how much he loves you. Some of you, you don't feel God's love because you've not forgiven yourself for something you've done. So forgive yourself, whatever it is. Pray it right now. I choose to forgive myself for that adulterous relationship. I choose to forgive myself for that abortion. I choose to forgive myself for cheating, for lying, whatever it is. Whatever you've been holding over your own head, choose to forgive yourself for it right now. Just say, I choose to forgive myself for... Jesus' name.
repeat after me, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show me how valuable I am to you. Tear down the strongholds, all the lies that I believed about myself. Demolish them right now. Lord, repeat after me, Lord, help me to see how acceptable I am to you. Help me to see that I am forgiven. And help me to see how capable I am in you. So what we're going to do next, because we've made time to do it, is uh, I want for those of you that worship down front with us at the beginning of the service, make your way back down. Because we're going to worship. We're going to just allow the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in this place to where we'll start believing the truth and start seeing ourselves as God sees us. And if you need an extra measure of that, man, you have been beat down and you just don't believe or have not believed that God really loves you, I want you to come down too. Because that's just a step of faith right there. It's a step of faith to show, God, I need you. And I wanna know how much you love me. If you wanna stay in your seats, you can do that too. Let's just worship him and let these truths from his word flow into our spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you make us, our soul cultivated, our mind and our will and our emotions cultivated to be able to hear these truths as we sing them in Jesus' name.